Good afternoon, sports fans. Mike Gandolfo here with Shane Stovall, 1450 WXBW, the Sports Buzz. And this is the weekend sports buzz at our unnormal time of noon. We're usually on from 9 to 11, but we got a special occasion. We are live from the hometown pizza in LaGrange, raising money for uh, Special Olympics. We're here with uh, Kentucky's only Winter Olympian, Dallas Robinson, uh, Bob Sledder, Oldham County native. And uh, we're, uh, again, we're out here. All the pro- part of the proceeds from today at Hometown Pizza goes to the Special Olympics. Dallas is here actually auctioning off his, uh, his suit that he wore in the Olympics. And uh, a lot of cool things going on here, Shane. It's a great time. Yeah, we've got a great crowd coming in already, nice and early. Come on in, uh, see Dallas, get your picture with him, get an autograph, get some great food. Yeah, good pizza, good, good breakfast. Yeah. So time. we're enjoying, we're having a good day. And, uh, you know, it's March 1st. March Madness, March Madness has so begun. Began. We had the district tournaments in high school basketball in wrap up. Uh, I guess well they wrap up today, but yep. most of them are already over. Crazy Regional. games last night. I know. Yes, yeah, so we had a, one close to you. Yeah, well, my a little hometown, bit of an upset. Shelby County pulls the upset over Collins. So, so shout they're going out, as shout the district champion. Of course, the district uh, tournament, uh, the district championship doesn't matter as much because both those teams go on sure to the they, regional. Right. But I think we're going to have a pretty crazy tournament. Uh, in the high school basketball ranks. I think high school and and, and, and March Madness as well. It uh, seems like this year may be a, a little bit more uh, wide open, I think, than other years uh, when, it, when it comes to colleges, too. So. We're two weeks away from March from uh, Selection Sunday. It's crazy. I'm just now getting over football mode, and, I, and now I've got to get geared up for March Madness. So Well, we got to get all geared up for March Madness for sure. And uh, last week of college basketball's regular season, we go straight into the conference tournament, right. and then, uh, you know, We'll be talking about who's seated where pretty soon. Yeah, I'm sure uh, there'll be lots of happy fans out there and then some that feel like they get cheated, as is every year. So Dallas is now getting his picture taken with North Oldham basketball star T. Salinas. Great photo Sports shot Center there. fame and everything. Oh, yeah. So we're, uh, we're out here again at the Hometown Pizza in LaGrange. We encourage you all to come on out and join us. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit better basketball right here until we can get Dallas on the air. Yeah, let's and, do it. Uh, we, had a, we had a week where Louisville – did what they've been doing all year long. They took care of business. Taking care of business, as they should. And I, I think that's pretty much what we're seeing from them, is that they are, you know, they're they're good enough, they're experienced enough, that when they play a team that they should beat, which is hard to do, they take care of business and they do it in impressive fashion. Right, you've got a lot of teams who kind of lose focus some, and, and you, they lose focus on, or they play to their competition, as a lot of coaches speak and fans say. And Lowell's taking care of business, as they, you know, should be doing, and, and dispatching teams in, in a nice fashion. I still think it's given a little bit of false hope to Louisville fans. I think it is. It's it's kind of on uh, like a double-edged sword. You know, you get the, where they come out and blow these teams out, and, and they look like world beaters. But then again, you know, like their last game, Temple's not a good team. No. Uh, they should beat them pretty badly. Uh, and you're right, some false hope. You know, I've heard I've heard some of the best highs from fans, and I've heard some of the some of the worst lows from some of the more cautionary fans. So, yeah, I think you're right on there. I think what I'm seeing, and Haven Harrington's now joining us here, is the thing that I'm worried about is Louisville's good enough to beat these teams when they can overpower them with their skill and athleticism but we still haven't seen them really do it against a team with extraordinary length that can match their dominant big man inside that's that's aggressive and uh, and that's and that's what these last two games i think this season hopefully should tell us well maybe i mean memphis has a little bit of length but they're still pretty much guard oriented sure they have a a great freshman big man in austin nichols but they're still going to be mainly just the the guard play. I, I don't know if we're really going to see it until they have that matchup. The the whole thing for Louisville is going to be their tournament draw. If they get a tournament draw where they don't have to play a dominant big man till later on, then they're in good shape. 
They don't have anything down low. Even, and I'm even going to go this far, and I'm going to upset a lot of Louisville fans. I'm even going to say that about Montrez. Montrez goes against a big man that he can that's taller than him and longer than him as an athletic. He has trouble. So, I mean, and that's all they got. I mean, I don't. They're really going to. I think that's going to be the test. And then that was the difference to me in the UK U of L game is that they couldn't handle Kentucky's lane. Yeah, I think they have gotten better at handling length. Haven, you might agree, might disagree. I think they've they've progressed as they've had some of the tougher battles with some of the better big men. Uh, they're still not there where they need to be, I think, and and they they definitely need to get some more productivity out of Mango and SVT. So, well, SVT just is what SVT is going to give you. He's going to give you minutes, maybe a rebound or two, a good hard foul here and there. <laughs> And, and that's pretty much about it. Mr. I mean, Hustle do the dirty work. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, Mango, uh, you know, he kind of impressed me in the Cincinnati game yeah. uh, with his defense and his shot blocking ability. Uh, you, I'm, I'm just now beginning to kind of see him progress. Mango's the, the key to me for them to have a good tournament run. I think Mango and, and Rozier as well. Rozier's yeah, well, really Rozier's playing up. up. I mean, he's he's balling. He's he's, he's, he's balling. playing huge. Yeah, and, huge. And I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, if I'm a loyal fan, I've got no worry about the future. That is going to be the next great loyal basketball player. And um, I caught all kinds of flack. Uh, two weeks into the season, I, I mentioned to a friend of mine we were talking, I said, I think Terry Rozier is the best NBA prospect on the team, minus possibly Montrez Harrell. And I wasn't saying he was the best player. I said he's the best NBA prospect, you know, when he gets down the road and gets to that time. And some people may agree with me. Some people kind of gave me all kinds of heck, so. I mean, but you know. he's like Louisville's only true point guard. Yeah. And and it shows. And he can actually score. He's a but point he's not guard really a point guard. guard. I mean, he's a, but he's, he's not. A, he's a scoring guard. He's a, but he plays like a point guard. guard. I mean, that's the whole thing with with Russ. Russ is not an NBA prospect because he's a two guard. He's not a point guard. If he's a point guard, you can make a case for his size that he can go play in the NBA. He doesn't have the size to play a two guard in the NBA. And a great player. Doesn't take anything away from him. He's gonna, he should be right there with Wes. Charlie Tyre, Hervis Ellison, and Daryl Griffiths with a big banner in Freedom Hall, without a doubt. But he just—I I don't see how he translates. Which, I don't. Which is why Russ came back because right. Russ knew that. Well, but then there—I mean, I guess then you got—you got the whole thing where last year you actually probably could have gotten drafted. He's not getting drafted this year. No. So I—I yeah. I, I don't see it. It's kind of a—it's kind of a difficult situation for sure. And. I forgot who it was. It may have been Tim Sullivan from the Courier that uh, spoke with one of the NBA scouts after a game, and they compared him to Allen Iverson, which kind of blew my mind. When I, I remember reading it, and my eyes just kind of, which I was just mind blown. And then it talked about right after that. It talked about when they told Russ that in the locker room. They said, you know, have you heard? And what do you think about uh, this certain NBA scout that wanted to remain anonymous, saying you kind of compared to Allen Iverson? They said his eyes just got like dinner plates. So you know, and it, something like that could make him a little bit more motivated to kind of model his game after an AI and get an NBA, which AI, you know, had a fantastic career in the NBA. Um, they are similar size and similar game in, in some aspects, but I wondered, too, if that something like that, him hearing that, would make make him kind of regress a little bit, you know, give him that big head and make him think that he's already made it, which, in like you said, he surely has not made it yet. I mean, he still has to get drafted. And even if he's a second-round pick, he's not guaranteed to make a team. I will even go further. I will tell you that I think Terry's Louisville's best – NBA prospect, even above Montrez. I, and that's why I, I said agree. that. I, Mont- agree. I think Montrez is the only one who could maybe have that argument as well. But I think that Rogier is the best prospect on the well, team. Well, see, to me, it depends on which which Montrez Harrell shows up. It's going to be the guy that played over in Europe, that had all the motor, that had the energy, that was just a man possessed. Still or got to be able to hit a jump shot. I mean, he's too small to play. He's yeah. gotten better on his jumper. I mean, he had a 13-footer the other night and an 8-footer, I believe. 
And, you know, he's got a decent-looking jump shot. His free throws, he really That's needs horrible. to improve on. Horrible. And he's got great form on his free throws. I don't get it. You know, his elbows are tucked in, great form, good rotation. And he'll have one that rims out, and then he'll have one that barely hits the backboard. He's a freaking beast, though, as far as size goes. can't figure it out. I mean, his, he's so freaking strong. And so, I mean, he's got an NBA body. He just needs another two, three inches. I, yeah. is what I, and then and Terry could run into that same thing, because Terry, although he's got good size for Louisville's guards, he doesn't really have NBA size. Not ideal size. No, I mean, he's still, I mean, he's he's probably 6'1". I Maybe. Mean, he's nowhere close to my height. I mean, obviously, since right. you know, him and I have been around each other a little Terry's bit. One of, I think one of Terry's strongest uh, suits is his ability to rebound. He's almost, you know, he's got a knack for knowing where that ball's coming off. and His overall nose lanes. for the sure, ball yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, he's a great motor, you know, gets up, gets up there and gets rebounds and, you know, plays great defense. He's starting to really lock defender or offenders down and, Played a really good ball now. So. Well, something we talked about before, but I think Terry's best quality is that his versatility. He can adjust and adapt to give the team what they right. need at that moment. If they need him to run the one, he can run the one. If they need him to score, he can score. He's always going to play good defense. He can just he, – he's quiet on the court. He doesn't show a lot of emotion, and he just does the team needs him to do at right. that time. And we saw, yes, last week in that Cincinnati game, what a heads-up play by a freshman at the end of the game. I mean, Russ made the shot. Terry made the play. Terry made he did. the play. You got it. Yep. And that's what you need. I mean, he's he is Louisville's general on, yep. on, on the court. And Rick touched on it, that Terry's really embracing his role of what he needs to do. If Rick tells him, hey, I need you to lock this, you know, get get some lockdown defense, or I need you to go find some, find an open player, he's, you know, he's really embracing his role. He's not uh, he's not being greedy. He's not he's not pouting like some people do around some of these local schools and you know, well, what he's, we, he's embracing it. You know, <laughs> I, is that a jab? You know, you know I, I gotta get a jab. You know, <laughs> speaking of pouting, I have a question. <laughs> Would Kentucky be a lot better if Rogier maybe took one of Harrison twin spots? On oh, I don't think there's any question. I mean, I, look, yeah, look, you, you, there's no doubt. I mean, if I had to choose right now between Terry Rogier, who's also not going to be a one and done. Mm-hmm. I would take him right now over one of the Harrison twins. I mean, I, I, I agree with that. I think so, yeah. It's There's something to be said for, for pure talent and size. You can't teach size. Well, I think there's something to be said size. for the consistency. Sure, I yeah. just want to know what you're going to get. And you know you, what you're going to get out Terry every, every and night. And you might have one of the Harrisons come out and score 17, dish out eight assists, and grab four rebounds. And then they might come out and score two points and get a technical foul because they're whining and, and pouting and, and Calipari's going nuts. because Have they gotten a technical this year? No, no, All right, I don't well, get let's, so. let's be fair. Maybe I'm getting them mixed up with the Marcus Cousins. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The jabs are flying. The jabs Start off are March flying. Madness, right, right? There you Man, go. I'll tell you what. But, you know, obviously, uh, we'll, before we got a couple more minutes to go in the segment, let's go to Indiana real quick. And uh, I thought they shut that program down. Oh, uh, well, so they, they got a big win. No, they did get a big win. They tried. I will almost like nice give win. them a glimmer of hope of fulfilling truth's prophecy of making a tournament of making the tournament. I mean, but they, they really, I mean, they're going to have to pull a miracle out to do that. Truth may have laced up his dancing shoes after that win. I'll tell you what, put they're on his candy stripe pants. There you go. I, you, I, I believe it was going to, it's going to have to make a deep run in a big 10 tournament. I mean, like get to the finals. Yes. Yeah. Deep run. And I, that may or may not be enough. I mean, but they have to get to the finals, and then they're going to have to pull out. I think I don't think they can lose again. Now, I think them. bare they minimum, can. they've got to get to the finals. And then probably have to show up in the finals and play well, if not win. Because they're not even getting mentioned on the bubble. Which is, yeah. I mean, they're off the bubble. And so they got to work themselves on the bubble to even I think there's a, if, if we were to contact Lenardi and just even mention him, I think he might laugh at us. <laughs> just for, say, what are you guys thinking? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, and you know, again, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And they're a team that if Stanford Robinson, you know, Will She, he gave him 30 points the other night. Yeah. It became a th- if they game. can get those Stanford, Will Sheehy, Troy Williams can start giving them something from the perimeter that takes some of the pressure off Yogi and Noah right. down low, they got a chance. They've got talent. I mean, they I mean can they've beat. got a team that could go on a run. I, I agree, too. You know, and, uh, and the Big Ten's a little bit, you know, wishy-washy this year. You, it's just weird. I mean, is, Michigan State's beat up. Uh, they're not near, close to 100%. I've, I can't figure out the Big Ten this year at all. I've tried to watch and tried to, to do some research into them. But it just, it's, it's just hard to figure out because, yeah, you know, at first you had Ohio State, which seemed like a, a dominant team. Right. And then they go on a three-game losing streak. And Michigan State seems like they're going to be dominant beginning of the season. They get Everybody's hurt. They get swept Michigan, by yeah. Michigan. Yeah, Michigan looks like the best team right now. They're playing without Mitch McGarry right. still. And uh, I just – that's the team that – I guess might have the best chance, but I still think they've got glaring weaknesses. I'm not an Ohio State guy at all, uh, as far as you know, thinking that they're all right. And I like Thad Mata. I mean, they've got Thad Mata. I like him as a coach, and he can he can do some great things. But he can recruit. You know, he's a great yeah, and he's and I think he's become a a, a, a very underrated coach. Well, we got to get to our first break, and then we'll be back on the other side of the hour on the other side of this break. I'm sorry, and we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in Lexington. And uh, what's good, what we can look forward to moving forward. All right. We'll be right back on the Weekend Sports Bus. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz, brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. And we are here again out at the LaGrange Hometown Pizza, raising money for Special Olympics. And we got a special guest sitting down with us right now. We have Tony Salinas and North Oldham's basketball star, newest basketball star, T. Salinas. How are you guys doing today? Good. So, T, how are you doing today, bud? I'm doing good. Good. So, we had a very special moment uh, last week, T, where you got to get in and, and fulfill a dream. Was it a dream of yours to put that jersey on and get into a basketball game? Yes. Yeah, and then what was it like seeing yourself on SportsCenter? It was amazing. Yes. And, uh, you know, it, it was just such a cool moment to have uh, all that happen to you, to have you come out there. But we're raising, we're here raising money for a special cause near and dear to your house, near and dear to your heart, Tony, uh, the Special Olympics. You want to talk a little bit about how the Special Olympics has impacted you guys? Well, yes, absolutely. And thanks for having us on. Uh, this is really a treat to come out here and see Dallas. But uh, Special Olympics has just been a special part of our lives, uh, obviously from the early years. Uh, we wanted to get T involved, and uh, he's a multi-sport athlete. He's, uh, he, he bowls, he does track and field, he golfs, uh, I'm forgetting one, basketball, obviously. Yeah, he's the big basketball, basketball guy. <laughs> um, but no, Special Olympics has been very, very good to us because uh, they have so many programs. Obviously, it's all about inclusion, acceptance, and they, just, they, they do a really good job of running programs, getting kids involved, getting parents involved, getting community involved, just like this community is behind this uh you know, this special event here to raise some more money. But um, it just has been, it's like 
it's just part of our lives, you know. So it's like one season ends and we go to the next season. So it's like a, being a year-round athlete, and obviously it's helped keep this guy pretty fit, okay? Yeah, I mean, that's important. So as a parent, what was it like for you to – I mean, you had to be just swelling with pride to, to see your son out on the floor last week. Uh, it was it was really incredible. Hard to actually almost put it in words. And, uh, um, you know, as a dad, you always – you always dream about your son getting on the field, getting on the court, getting to play, and uh, to to see him with the guys that he grew up with that all those years, and actually putting on that jersey and uh, and coming out on the court with the starting introductions. Uh, it was, and then to see just the aura, you know, the atmosphere in that gym. And we've been on or in that gym many years. We've seen a lot of games, a lot of big games against district rivals, but it just felt different okay and maybe it's because i had somebody in right in the middle of it and uh it was it was i mean it i think literally it took about a week and i'm not sure i'm over it yet the high, the high <laughs> yeah. it's, i've never expected still running unless, on it, on absolutely absolutely and let's like make everything clear t absolutely earned that opportunity he worked really absolutely. hard for six years is that right like seven since, uh, seven years seven, seven. since the sixth grader yeah Seven years as in, in, in a very thankless, very important job to anyone who's ever coached to have a good student manager is incredibly important. Yes. A lot of time and a lot of hours. Well, he was he was definitely at practice as, you know, probably more than some of the, some of the guys on the team at times, it, it seemed like. But, uh, you know, barring some kind of conflict, T was always there. And I think that maybe is what culminated with with him getting in the game is we didn't realize how appreciative the players, the coaches, all the people that have been a part of the programs over the last seven years, you know, that it was it was that big a deal, you know, and it all came together very, very quickly, abruptly. And um, it, it just, I mean, it was just special. Very, very special. It was, it was very neat. I was talking to my son on the ride over here. I hadn't seen it until today, actually. I saw it this morning on uh, YouTube. I told my son it's kind of like a football a touchdown celebration where he did the bowling, kind of bowled the ball across and hit the student section. And I liked all, it. They all tumbled down like bowling pins, and I thought it was probably one of the more unique and amazing uh, high school. Anything, anything I've seen in high school was really great. So it was yeah. neat to see that. Did you, what did you What did you who roll? Came up you with bowled. That? Who, who, who did? Who came up with the bowling with the bowling trick? It was Coach. Stovall. Coach Stovall, all right. Well, we really appreciate you guys being on the air with us today. And, uh, you know, obviously we're here at the LaGrange Hometown Pizza raising money for Special Olympics. Come out and meet Olympian Dallas Robinson. Tony, thanks a lot for coming on. Thank you all. Thank all you. Right. We appreciate it. And uh, so we'll get back to a cool, just a cool story. Absolutely cool story. Yeah, awesome. Very, very. I mean, cool doesn't even begin to describe it. Uh, I'm glad it's it's something that's close enough to my hometown community that I can be a, a small little part of it. And, yeah. And it's just you know to to be to let people be aware and to make it on Sports Center and just to kind of get the story out there for the nation. You know, it's really really just an awesome experience. So, so we're getting back to talking a little bit more basketball, getting ready for March Madness. Uh, unfortunately, T's North Oldham Mustangs got knocked out in the district tournament, so they're not marching on to the uh, to the eighth region tournament. Yeah. But <clears throat> let's get into a little bit about those Kentucky Wildcats. Um, Big Blue Nation, baby. You know, I'll, I'll still, I'm going to still make the contention that LSU is a talented team. 
mm-hmm. and they just have not performed to where they can perform. You, we've talked about that at length. Beginning of the season, I thought I picked them as my sleeper to be in the top 25 by the end of the year because of all the talent they have. I really feel like they're solid at every position. They obviously match up very well with Kentucky. So that overtime uh, win, which I was hoping was going to kind of change the whole atmosphere of the team, you know, to finally pull one of those close games out when you've lost so many of them. And when you really think about it, every loss Kentucky's had has been by a bucket yeah. or less. So Right there at the end. Yeah. And, and then you get Thursday night. <clears throat> when you go to – um, overtime with an Arkansas team that I just don't even feel belongs on the floor with them. At home. Yeah. At home. Where the you fourth almost, loss. In it. Where you never two, lose. Two out of the three. Two out of the last three home games, they've lost. And that's just unheard of. I mean, Yeah, but the Florida loss, I mean, I think most people can, you can that, stomach that one. Yeah. Right, right. Although, I mean, that game was really close all the way up until the end when Florida just uh, pulled away late. I, I mean, yeah, I can see that one. The Arkansas one... It's almost like those these guys just don't understand that. Okay, I I'm over the hump. Well, you know, I guess they felt like they were over the hump. It happened, and now they can just carry on. They don't seem to like carry things from one event to the next event. It's almost and the other night. I mean, it's almost like they just thought, well, all we gotta do is come out here and, and do our thing, and we're gonna pull this out in the end. There's no way we lose. Uh, you know, and Arkansas beat them down Fayetteville at the beginning of the year on a on the fluke. You know, one of the coolest innings of the game ever. Very. Interesting the way it ended. On the, you know, on the, the, the dunk, dunk, the dunk back with with zero. Where someone left, doesn't box out, which right? was amazing in its well, own. Three guys don't box out. Yeah, and I don't like you. I just don't think Arkansas really belongs in any kind of discussion. Although they have turned it on and playing pretty well lately. They've played pretty well. And beating a team like UK definitely helps out their resume and and gets them up into maybe the thick of things if they can do something in the SEC tournament. Yeah, they're squarely know. on the bubble. I mean, sure. I mean, they're they're definitely better than Indiana. But, but how <laughs> bad of a loss is this for Kentucky to get swept? That's that's a bitter pill to by an follow. Arkansas yeah. team that um, honestly sh- should not be on the same floor, really talent wise, talent wise sure, yeah. as Kentucky. And and you're still looking at Kentucky, probably still looking at a five six seed, and um, and really a six seed doesn't look too bad. I don't see a whole lot of two and three seeds out there that really scare me as long as you can stay away from Kansas and Duke. You know, I I, I feel like they can compete well with any of those. Um, those teams. So I don't know. I mean, uh, getting in and seeing what happens, but I, they still have to have something kind of s- just work out for them. I, I, they just, and it begins with the attitudes of these guys. I mean, they, they, they just cannot get a consistent effort on the floor for even a majority of a game, let alone 40 minutes. So I was going to say, you touched on it earlier, but you know, one in the consistency and, and they, they've got to have somebody other than, you know, Julius Randall, who's been, Pretty consistent, you know, most yeah. of the year. They got to have somebody else step up and be consistent. He's whether it be whether it be the twins or Willie Cauley Stein, who he's he's the type of player when he's consistent and comes out and plays his game, he can take over a game and he can keep Kentucky in any game. But when he does, he's just it's, a liability. Yeah, it's you're right. Well, and, and even Julius to an, a, an extent. I mean, I I think Julius is a very very good player. Great players make other players on the floor better. And I'm not right. sure that that happens when Julius is there. You know, I'm not sure he makes the other players on the floor better. And skill-wise, he's got all the pieces. He can be this great player, but he's gonna really have to learn how, like, especially when he's in the NBA, to go to that next level. It's bringing all these other guys along with him. 
and it's not just the Julius show. I mean, in some ways he's good, but he's disruptive at the same time. Sure, kind of resemblant to uh, LeBron James in the NBA. You know, when he came in, everybody knew how good he is as as an individual. He's the best, you know, in the world, arguably. You know, some people say KD and whatnot. But his first few seasons, I think he understood that it was – he was the one-man show, and he came in and did all his things. But in the last few seasons, he's really – and I don't watch a lot of NBA. I'm definitely not an NBA expert. But the bits and pieces that I've seen, he really kind of – Well, there's not a lot of little players. players in the NBA. So exactly. Fair, there's no so. reason for me to yeah. watch it. <laughs> but he's really kind of – he started, you know, whether it be Bosh or D-Wade or whoever, he started kind of pulling those guys in and passing the ball and Well, you know, the, them the, in. the difference is with, with him kind of getting off topic here, but the difference with LeBron going to Miami – was when he was in Cleveland, he was the show. Right. He, he was it. When you went to Miami, you went to a team that already had an established leader and superstar in Dwayne Wade. So he could go in and just kind of fit in. He didn't have to be the man. Now, he can be the man when you need him to be the man, but he doesn't have to be. And that takes a lot of pressure off of you. takes a lot of weight off his shoulders when winning day in and day out is not dependent on just if you can score 40 points, 30 rebounds, and 55 assists every game for your team to win. But also, to be fair, at that point, he didn't rest on his laurels with that either. No, he didn't. I mean, he went out there and still played. And lots of times when those guys get those big contracts and they're guaranteed all this money, they they coast. I mean, how many yeah, times have we care. seen it where the guy plays for the contract and then after they get that contract, they just completely it's disappear. when they're in the last year of their contract and, and you know, they, they have a great season because they really go out and they know they have to kind of perform to get that next big contract. But yeah, it's like you said. You know, he could have just kind of he could have turned it in and said, ah, "I'm just going to coast through it," and but he didn't. So, but he was playing for a bigger cause. Yeah, he wanted about him. He wanted that ring. He wanted he wanted several rings. He he wanted to be the greatest in the NBA. I mean, good lord, in the NBA, if you want to be the greatest, I mean, you have to have like at least like four or five rings. The NFL, you get one or two rings, you can be right in there. No, you're good to go. But NBA, I mean, you got to keep it with Jordan, who who could have won a ring almost like what seven years straight, but then decided to play baseball for a year. Sure. Well, I mean, Magic and those guys. I mean, these guys got like four or five rings. I mean, Phil Jackson has like one on his toes and everything. You know, his NBA championship toe ring. He has so many. <laughs> but, I mean, I think that's definitely true. And I like the analogy about the difference between the NFL and the NBA. The NBA, if you're a true star, you carry your team to that champion. NFL, you can be a pretty good player. But, you know, it's still it's a total, total team effort. And you're one of 11 guys. So let's get to our uh, a break here. And we'll get back and we'll wind up here on the Weekend Sports Bus. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Bus. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, we are back here on the Weekend Sports Buzz. Mike Indafo, Haven Harrington, Shane Stovall, out of the LaGrange Hometown Pizza, raising money for Special Olympics. Come out and meet Kentucky's only Winter Olympian, Dallas Robinson. He's out here signing autographs. Uh, he's going to be auctioning off his suit. You can come see the beautiful... Ralph Lauren USA sweater that they had to wear at the opening ceremony. No expense. There it is. It's, so, not made, it's not made in China either. Well, no, it's, it's made in the USA, right? Uh, I hope so. I yeah. hope so. At least that's what they say. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're supposed to say. So, How many times do you get a chance to come out and meet an Olympian? That's right. Come out and meet the Olympian. And eat pizza at the same no, time. That's right. And an Olympian, not only and not a Winter Olympics, but he wrestled Kurt Angle. 
Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Yes. I knew there was a little bit of uh, of him playing rugby at some time. That's right. He wrestled Kurt Angle. Yeah, I did not oh, know the wrestling Kurt Joe's Angle part. versus, what's it, Joe's versus Joe's Bro. versus Bro's. Yeah. Oh, he was on that? Yes. Oh, all right. Did not know that. Did in the ring. I'll, only our resident uh, <laughs> ring expert, Haven Harrington, would know that. Um, we're into baseball season. Spring training's got three games in. The Reds, one and two. You know, so we're off to a little bit of a slow start. But, of course, records in spring training don't really so mean anything. So we do. Anything. We lull them to sleep. That's right. Get them when they're not looking. And But uh, <laughs> the big thing there, and we were just talking about this, is getting these guys under these big contracts. The Reds signed Homer Bailey to a six-year, $106 million contract. And basically handcuffing anything they can do in the future. I mean, they they even – the. Uh, Walt Jockey actually came out and said, this is going to really damage what we can do to sign players in the future. So pretty much this is make or break. Well, and you got to hope that he turns around. But, yeah. I mean, Homer's not known as being the most mentally tough person. I mean, he gets that payday. I could see him kind of being nice that guy that cashes it. in. <laughs> so for six years, the Reds could just be stuck. Yeah. When we can see how the bad, bad contracts, bad contracts can kill a major league baseball team in a medium size oh, yeah. market. So... I'm a Homer Bailey fan. I am too. But uh, that's that's just steep. That's awful steep for for my my blood. I mean, at that price, you're hoping that he becomes the number two starter at some point, at least. Yeah. You know, um, what, what the Reds must have for you to invest that kind of money, knowing how much you're going to handcuff yourself in the future. They had to see something that says, "Well, the guy has two no hitters yeah. in each of the last two seasons." I mean, yeah, he's got so, great stuff. He's been more consistent, right? And it, it, I agree. I mean, he's shown that, but he's also shown the the ability to just completely blow up. Blow up, you got it. And uh, you know, so at some point, what's the cost versus the reward at 106 million dollars when the guys, you know, I'm not sure how old Homer is now, but he's probably 26, 27. I mean, if he he could have a good solid six years, but then he could also, you know, I'd say he's coming into that age, you know sort of the prime of his career or what could be and maybe that maybe he turned some huge stone in the offseason and, and the, the gym and everybody saw that and said hey listen it's time what, to do what it probably run into this now you you sign him with all this money it's going to hamstring you in the future but also hamstring you from if he does turn out to be like the, the world beater then it hurts you if guys start to leave for bigger contracts how do we place them and how do you put other guys around him to compliment because he can't he, he can't throw every game. They're gonna have to re-sign Aralis Chapman in the next two years. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if uh, if that's even gonna be possible. I mean, it's looking more and more like like he might jump ship. I've learned not to get my hopes up with the Reds recently, so you know. It's hard. They always get you know, get your hopes up and I don't it's gotta be something about the city of Cincinnati that they can no neither the Bengals or the Reds can advance past the first round of the playoffs. Or the Bearcats. <laughs> <laughs> the Bearcats who are, uh, I UConn. think, losing to they're, UConn they're, right now. Yeah, oh, yeah. So uh, they got a little, I guess, hit in the mouth last week and hadn't fully recovered from the Louisville Cardinals. I don't know. They're going to get hit in the mouth today with, with the Lady Cards as well. Oh, yeah. the Shoney yeah. Show, huh? Yeah, the Shoney Show. Uh, what's up in Cincinnati? And then, yeah. But there, I know the Lady Lady Bearcats are struggling a little bit this year. And obviously, U of L's women are number three in the country. So there you go. Should be another beatdown. And they them. also lost the University of Kentucky. That, that, yeah, that's yeah. And UConn and who's the other team that the Lady Cards lost to? Uh, well, they didn't play Notre Dame this year, I guess. I'm well, not. You should you you should Kentucky. know this team pretty. There you go. I knew. Kentucky I said they lost Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky. yeah I knew they lost Kentucky. They only lost twice. Is that right. right? So uh, yeah, and then it's kind of funny bringing that up. I don't want to talk really long about it, yeah. but 
Kentucky's women team comes in with all this hoop, uh, hoopla too. Looks like they're going to have one of the outbreak, just breakout seasons of school history. And they're struggling just like the guys are. They're faded. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just, but they're still, a, I mean, they're still a great team. They're, they're a good team. They're a very yeah. good team. Well, let me ask you this question. Since we're kind of talking about big, big Blue Nation a little bit, how much more of a honeymoon, I guess, so to speak, does Calipari have? I think it's going to depend on if we start to see an adjustment. I, was, I think he's more hindered by the fact that he had a very unusual situation where three guy, three straight years he was able to get freshmen to pan out the way he did. I, I just don't think it's really that um, – it's not really that regular of an occurrence for that thing to happen, sure. for that to happen, where you get all. Nobody really to kind of not pan out. Everybody panned out. You know, everybody he brought in, he turned to gold basically. So now you've got two straight years where that didn't really happen. I always talk about the two thousand, the Nerlens Noel's class, Archie Goodwin's class, the same. Well, most people who really knew basketball recruiting knew that class wasn't very good anyway. I mean, it's not like all recruiting classes are created equal. Everyone thought this recruiting class, though, was the real five. deal. You got a bad five. Yeah, and so now you're seeing a situation where we're going to get some of these guys to come back and stick around. And what are you laughing about over there? <laughs> so I'm just at the Fab Five. I started thinking to myself, they, they went from the Fab Five to the Funky Four Plus One. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. So, but now you're seeing this group. Who's going to have some of these guys come back? He's going to fulfill them with a group next year that – it's not like you got a four one and dones coming in next year. You got Tyler Ulis coming in, who's going to be a three or four year, probably a four year college player because he's too small to play in the NBA. Devin Booker, who is probably a three or four college, four year college player. Carl Towns is probably, probably a one and done, but it would not surprise me if he's a two year college player. And Trey Lyles is probably the guy who's the one and done. In Guarantee one. Yeah. And so you're going to start getting a core that sticks around and stays and he can build around. So we're going to see how those guys progress. You know, what I haven't seen. And I think a lot of a big blue nation is getting to that point, you know, that they're kind of getting tired of the one and done and, the guys are coming in playing for. No, I don't no. think they get tired of anything except for losing. Well, I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter. Obviously, the losing. And, and with the 40 and 0 talk, you know, at the beginning of the year. Which was totally unfair and blown out of proportion. It was. It was. And then, but, you know, what is it, Cal, the other day was trying to put it off or saying it was the media kind of blew it up. Well, you know, he was the one that said beginning of the season, preseason. And uh, I think his words were sure. Why couldn't we do it? You know, let's go do it. So it's not like he, you know, it's not like he cautioned. No, yeah, anybody. he didn't come out and say we're going for sure, it. No, yeah. he answered the question. But he didn't really stop it either. You know, what I mean, right. he kind of brought it upon himself a little bit. I mean, I would hope that sure I'm a coach media, though know, that yeah, we I, do blow it out. I want a coach out there that says, "Yeah, yeah we got a chance exactly. to win every game." You want the confidence. Well, you know, the thing is, and let's be fair. When he first got all those guys on campus, you saw all that talent. You saw all that size and all that length. I think that's the thing. The size and yeah. length. And then you saw what. All the, all the other teams had. You're like, man, every team has these big, glaring weaknesses. I've got, like, super size and length everywhere. Guys that I know uber talented. If I could just get them to play together. And we thought this was going to be their best three-point shooting team also. I mean, I think that has played a big yeah. role in part of it. You know, that Andrew Harrison has not been the three-point shooter right. that we thought. James Young has shown the ability to do it. His flashes brilliant shooter. Yeah. And this team has had their flashes. You're, there's there's they, times they when you look at them, you're like, a very scary team. They can be, I mean, just dominating to anybody. But for whatever reason, they don't get together. We're actually going to uh, bring on our Olympian right now. 
Are, are we? Yes, he's coming so he's, up next. Sign an autograph. We only got a couple minutes left on the show. And then so we're going to get down to the best for last. We definitely save the best for last. The best for last are our only Winter Olympian sitting down right here. Dallas, how's it going? Hey, it's going fantastic. Thanks for having me. All right, Dallas, real quick, you know, let's talk a little bit about your background because you don't, you're not necessarily a spring chicken Olympian at any time. Not that you're an old man or anything like that. <laughs> wow. Sure. sure. Yeah, but most Olympians started off a little bit younger, right? I mean, talk um, about yeah. how you kind of got into it. Yeah, yeah. So our sport of bobsled, um, well, I think actually everyone on USA One, yeah, for sure. Everyone on USA One was over 30. Wow. And there was two athletes on our sled under 30. So, you know, it's a power and speed sport, and it takes a while as an athlete to develop both of those qualities. Um, yeah, but for me, um, you know, I was a track and field and football athlete. Um, kind of kind of gradually got recruited into USA Rugby, uh, played a little bit of rugby, and um, from there I kind of retired from athletics. And then uh, I think you kind of know where the story goes from there. Yeah, you had a, a – you were coaching at – Berea College, is That's that correct? Exactly right. And yeah. you had a, a student that showed an interest in the bobsled, mm-hmm. went out, tried it out, and said, hey, he, he reached out to you and said, you, you're perfect for this. Yeah. You need to come try this out. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Phil Miller uh, wanted to continue to compete post, uh, post-college. Bobsled's one of, those, one of those sports that, you know, we have a couple thousand people try out. And basically, if you're big, fast, and strong, you can try out, and you have a chance of making the team. Um, not many sports you can say that with. And uh, so Phil tried out, made a team. And, you know, I, I showed some interest because it was interesting to me. You know, I was a, I was a former USA athlete. And uh, and when Phil said that, I thought about it for a week or two. And, you know, I said no, and then yes, and no, and then yes. I finally I just went, went out and said, all right, I'm going to give this a shot. And then that was, I think it was like USA 7 or USA 8. And then uh, the next couple weeks later, I was racing for USA 3. Nice. Wow. Yeah. So is there a size difference in the four-man bobsled and the two-man bobsled? The size of the sled? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the, the total combined weight of the four-man sleds around 1,350 pounds. Oh, geez. Uh, the combined exciting. weight of a, you know, a, a two-man sled is around 780. So, and then, and I'm, I'm guessing there's an ideal weight for the guys in the sled. I mean, what's the ideal weight of a four-man bobsled that you want the whole package to be? Yeah, so um, the sled itself can weigh as little as a certain amount. So the idea is to have a minimum weight sled. And then everything else in the sled be human being, because the heavier we are, the less weight we have to push. So the idea is that we're not putting lead in the bottom of the sled. The idea is we're putting lead in the bottom of our belly, and we're eating and food you, and lifting weights. Yeah, because you're—I mean—you're a big guy, and yeah, four about, big guys in a sled like that would be—you gotta know those guys pretty well. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's cramped. <laughs> it could be uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it's a little. Yeah, it's it is a little uncomfortable, especially when you're just uh, kind of fighting for room and trying to get low and. Uh, Shoot, when you go over, it's, it's, a, it's a full-out brawl to see who gets in, in the sled and who gets thrown out of the sled. Usually I get thrown out. So, all right, so just want to – in a four-man sled, what position were you in the sled? I'm four. So you're, the last, so you're like the guy who's got to put up the handles and, like, get the handles, back? Yeah, the handles, the brakes. Um, I'm also the guy that doesn't get to sit upright. I have to be completely bent over, you know, basically my, my chin to my chest and my spine folded in two. And, so what do you uh, see as you're going down the hill? Yeah. I don't. I'm scared yeah. to answer you that. Know, so, so, so I'm I'm kind of tall for for a four spot brakeman, so I'm really cramped back there. Um, and in order to get really really low, the position I need to be in, you don't really get to breathe a whole lot. And uh, <laughs> and so, I don't really see anything. I'm praying the whole time. But halfway down the track, by then my face and and hands are going numb. 
because I'm not breathing. So, uh, yeah, I just I just count the seconds and then pop up the breaking stretch and then I start breathing again and then vision comes back, you know, and then I actually start seeing stuff. So sure the adrenaline rush from doing this, it's probably worth the few seconds of not breathing, you know, a few seconds of discomfort. I mean, yeah, absolutely not. No. <laughs> so pretty much everything most people know about the bobsled. Pretty much the worst day of your life. Everything, and we only got two minutes left, so we got to kind of wrap this up. But everything everybody knows about the bobsled basically is from cool runnings, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> is it pretty much that? Like, you had to pretty much memorize the course in your head and know when to shift your weight? And No, so um, because we're so locked in, we're, we're in unison. Um, the front of the sled bends a certain way. The back sled bends a certain way. So we're going to go with the sled because we're locked in. So you only memorize the track. For, for the idea of that you're ready for turns. At, at 85, 90 miles an hour, you're pulling 5Gs. 5Gs will cause most people to pass out. Wow. Um, so, and we're not harnessed in. We're not in seat. We don't have special equipment. We're in, I mean, we're in spandex with, with a helmet. I don't even wear a mouthpiece because I I, I, I'd rather lose my teeth than not be able to breathe. So Makes sense. That's yeah. Good, yeah. Good trade-off. There you go. Yeah. So, no, there, there's not, a much, not much leaning and uh, not a bunch of crazy stuff like that, honestly. So I, I got to ask you real quick. I was going to touch base. You'd mentioned before, and I think in an interview I read, that you don't like to travel very much. Absolutely. And so how did, how did the travel go? And I read a quote that you said you feel like Frodo when, when uh, it comes to traveling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a Shire folk. I don't like traveling. I don't mind adventures as long as they're short adventures. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we travel 20 weeks a year. Uh, and I, this is my fourth year doing it. Um, you know, I'm ready to make adventures back here in Kentucky. All right, we're, we're wrapping up the show. Uh, Dallas, thanks a lot for coming on. We, we understand that Matt used to beat you all the time in racing. Up until seventh yeah, grade. Yeah, yeah. Up, in, up until middle school, absolutely. <laughs> there you go. So shout out to our own Matt McCarthy. We're out here. Come out, get some pizza, LaGrange Hometown Pizza, support Special Olympics. We're out. Talk to you guys next week on the Weekend Sports Buzz.